May 25th at Largo at the Coronet in Los Angeles, we're doing a live Dead Pilot Society. Our first ever open to the public Dead Pilot Society. You remember Dead Pilot Society. It was created by Andrew Reich, who brought me in, and uh, we do readings of pilots that were bought and developed, but never produced. So it's the first time that anyone, including the writers, are getting to hear a table read of their pilot. We're doing two pilots on May 25th, one by me and Ben Acker, and it's a cool thing that we really love, so I hope you'll come check it out. And one by Matt Gorley, uh, podcaster extraordinaire, super ego, I was there too, more, and Amanda Lund, actor and writer extraordinaire, Ghost Girls, you've seen it, uh, and there's this, about a theme park, uh, and they both worked in the theme park, so it's a real fun inside uh, sort of comedy thing. I hope you will come check that out. We have announced some cast. Let me tell you about them. How about Rachel Bloom, writer and creator of Crazy Ex-Girlfriend? She's going to be in it. Kiernan Shipka, Sally Draper from Mad Men. She's in also uh, The Legend of Korra. Andrew Daly, co-creator and star of Review. He's on Comedy Bang Bang. He is incredibly funny. Know who else is incredibly funny? Steve Agee. You know him from the Sarah Silverman program, from The New Girl. Mark Evan Jackson from Brooklyn Nine-Nine, from Thrilling Adventure Hour. Also from Thrilling Adventure Hour, Craig Kakowski, Also from Drunk History. These are just a few of the people who are going to be performing the scripts by Akron Blacker, by Matt and Amanda, and we're doing a third secret script that we can't tell you about, but you better be there to find out what it is. It's going to be really cool. That is all on May 25th at Largo at the Coronet. You can find out about getting tickets uh, by following me on Twitter, at Ben Blacker. Go to writerspanel.tumblr.com or uh, just show up. Now entering Nerdist.com. Today's episode was recorded at WonderCon in 2016. Enormous thanks to all of the panelists, to the hosts who ran the panels, who allowed me to record these. Also thanks to Katie and Aristotle at Nerdist, who ran around recording these for me. Uh, these are some really cool panels. I think you guys will enjoy them. It's the Nerdist Writers Panel, and it's hosted by Ben Blecker, where he gets a bunch of writers, and he asks them lots of questions, and it's starting now, so this will be the end of the theme. Hello, WonderCon, <laughs> and happy Easter to everyone. Uh, my name is Allison Baker, and I work for IDW Entertainment. Um, I decided, because reasons, that I thought we should have a panel about the secrets behind great television. And I, have, I am lucky to uh, be in contact and know some amazing women who work in the field. And I will start by introducing them, and then they can talk a little bit about themselves. I want to start with Emily Andrus, who is the creator, executive producer, and showrunner of Winona Earp, which premieres April 1st on Sci-Fi. Thank you. You're welcome. And she's also fabulous. <laughs> and sitting next to her is Amber Benson, who you might know from things. <laughs> uh, she was Tara on Buffy and uh, has written a lot of wonderful novels. What's your most recent book that's out? Oh, The Last Dreamkeeper. It's about ladies and witchcraft and <laughs> cool stuff. <laughs> she's also amazing. <laughs> Uh, I actually don't personally know Deidre. I do know a person she works with um, because my husband is the co-creator of iZombie, the comic. And Deidre is the writer and story editor on iZombie, the television show. And I hear she's amazing. <laughs> well, if Diane says you're amazing, you are. So what? if Diane says you're amazing, you are. So that's, that's just a fact. Yeah. <laughs> and right here to my left is uh, Carolyn Omini. Is that how you say it? Omine. Omine. 
sorry about that, um, who's been a writer for a very long time. I, I, you've been on The Simpsons for 18 years? 18 years, yeah. Mm-hmm. And before that, like a million other things, right? I was on many other things, one of which was Full House, not the Fuller House. Oh, right. <laughs> <laughs> but other things, too. And she's fantastic. So I want to kind of start out with just how everybody kind of got started, because I think that's always a fascinating story uh, in history, because I think that we all come to our various careers by stranger um, ways than you might imagine. So we'll start with Emily. So how did you start? Um, now I feel under pressure to make it really strange. <laughs> um, I went to school and got an English degree, and then it turned out I'm from Canada. Woo! Just woo. Um, and that's my story. Um, uh, it turned out there was a graduate degree at a university in Canada for radio and television. That's actually a degree, which is pretty funny. It was a two-year program, and part of my... Um, program was writing, I had to write a spec script. So I wrote a spec script for friends. I think it was like 84 pages, <laughs> which is not great. There was a lot of Ross. Um, so... Basically like a two-hour special. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I gave it, and part of my mark was I had to actually find people who worked in the industry, actual real TV writers, to grade it. Completely panicked, waited to the last minute. It's extraordinary I became a writer. I don't know if anyone else feels like that. Like, I was always starting my essays at like 8 a.m. But anyway, it was a really good experience. I got the um, WGC handbook, which is the equivalent of WGA, the Writers Union, in Canada. And people were just getting emails to date myself. And everyone with an email, I emailed and was like, hi, can you please read my script, my 84-page friend script? It's like amazing. Um, The saga of Ross. Um, Anyway, lots of people had different opinions about it, um, which was a really good lesson. Some people hated it. Some people liked it. Um, one professional writer named John May um, sort of said, okay, you're really, really funny. You obviously know nothing about structure or page count. <laughs> but um, if you kind of work with me, I'll help you out. And he just worked me like a dog, writing and writing and writing and writing. Um, I cried and cried and cried because it's hard to get notes. Um, and then, But my path wasn't straight. I'll go fast. Yeah. I also worked in production, which was really interesting. Like I always remember my first actual job in TV was I did craft services for a puppet show. And <laughs> you haven't lived, and I will never forget, getting yelled at with a guy literally with a puppet on his hand <laughs> because I cut the carrots into sticks instead of medallions. Who wants carrot medallions at craft services? Yeah, like, nobody but wants But like that. yelling with the puppet on his hand. And I was like, I have two degrees, and I will never forget how this feels. Um, so I did all sorts of stuff in production. I worked for Hockey Night in Canada. I craft services for puppets. Yeah, woo, awesome. Um, and then eventually I got involved with Epitome, who do Degrassi, um, and they were like, we're going to let you try some writing on websites and a, writing a Bible for a series they had called Instant Star, the worst title of all time, um, but a really fun show. And I was lucky enough to start as a junior there and work my, my way up to showrunner. And that's how I started. Yeah. Yeah, cool. Panel over. Yeah. And how do you think that like your experience in production informs your ability to, to be a showrunner? Um, I think it really, really helps. Just knowing a little bit about being detail-oriented. Um, more than anything, I think it taught me that like everybody really can... The thing about showrunning is you have to make decisions about absolutely everything, right? From like wardrobe to props to casting to editing to writing, obviously. But it really taught me that everybody puts a lot of pride in their job, whatever it is, and takes it really seriously. So people just really want to be heard and respected, whether they're making a prosthetics of an exploding zombie head or, you know, casting people, or cutting up the carrot sticks. And I think that's... Or medallions, because we're professionals, guys. Let's be serious here. This is, um, so that's what really helped me, I think, just knowing that people, people generally want to do a really good job and be heard and respected, and that's important. And just knowing how many details go into the things that they do. So that's helped a lot. And also just knowing behind the scenes of production, how much it actually takes to get things done. When you write something at 3 a.m., like 50 elephants storm the stage, then you're like, oh, God, you guys actually got those elephants. Sorry about that. Knowing that, how that's going to be kind of processed. So. Yeah. And Amber, I know, you, I know, you know, you kind of started out with acting and then moved into writing and directing and whatnot, but like, What's, was, what was your acting experience? How does that inform you as a director and a producer and 
every well, evening. I, I do have to say that it is it is a rite of passage to get yelled at <laughs> while you're doing craft service. Yes. That also happened to me oh, by <laughs> 4 o'clock in the morning, uh, the Yugoslavian uh, DP, because it was Yugoslavia then. That's how long ago it was. Um, no, the, uh, the, uh, the, uh, the DP screaming at me at 4 in the morning because the coffee wasn't ready yet. I'm like, I just got it. It's four in the morning. I'm 17. Oh, man, yeah. Um, but you, you toughen up real fast. You do. I did not get the puppet, though. No, the puppet was good. I really wish I'd had a, a guy yelling at me with a puppet on his hand. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, so I, I, I like did like the backward sort of way. Um, I always knew I wanted to make stuff. We would go see like five movies in a row in the summer times. My mom would just send my sister and I, you know, it's like the man with the one red shoe and then Cujo (laughs) and then Goonies. And you just see like everything. And I knew I wanted to do that, but I didn't think it, you know, as a kid, you're like, I can't, no one's going to let me do anything but be an actor. So I, uh, so I started acting and uh, I sort of parlayed that into making my own stuff. But I would always, you know, like, like you're saying, when you're on set and you know how production works, I would just sit there and ask people questions. Like, mm-hmm. how do you do that? What's that for? What's that thing you're wearing? Mm-hmm. No? Okay. <laughs> um, <laughs> but, um, but yeah, you just start asking people questions and you're just a sponge. And the thing is, it's very true. People want to explain their job to you. They want to impart their knowledge. So many of these people are craftsmen. Mm-hmm. You know, like when your DP is lighting your set, it's not just some guy with a bunch of lights. It's a guy who's painting your set. And any actor who is not friends with the DP is stupid. <laughs> very, very dumb. Because they can make you look really bad. Um, so be nice to them. Them and the, uh, and the Teamsters. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I just started, like, asking questions. And then, I, you know, I started making my own stuff. And uh, I think, you know, as an actor, you spend a lot of time trying to make stuff that doesn't really work, work. Very, very infrequently do you work on something where you're like, wow, this is really good and I don't have to do anything. I can just show up. A lot of times you're like, I got to like finesse this or I got to find a reason why I would do this thing. Mm-hmm. So as a director and a, a filmmaker, I'm, you know, I spend a lot of time trying to make sure that the things that I've created make sense, mm-hmm. that they come from a logical um, place and that, they're, uh, that they've, I've worked on them enough that they're smooth and that it, an actor can just step in. And they don't have to do a ton of work. So, and Carolyn, you've been in the business longer than everybody, anybody on this stage. <laughs> Anyone in the <laughs> so, I'm old. So what was it like Gosh. when you started? When you, I mean, as a woman well, in particular, because I think was, that that's... There was that's... one giant continent called Pangea. <laughs> <laughs> and we roamed, as once we came out of the muck. Um, I... What do you mean? Like in general, do you want like to know in ge- how when, I started? When, or, yeah. Or? How did you get? How did you start in the business? I started. Um, I wanted to be an actress. So I would. I also sang in a band, and I, you know, I came to Woo. LA. <laughs> I was like, yeah, I want to be in LA, and I went to UCLA because I, you know, I. There were other reasons, but mainly because I saw it was right. It's next to Sunset Boulevard. <laughs> I found it like stardom to me and then um when i i'm originally from hawaii and in hawaii you could be i was a design major but i could take all the things that theater majors would take because you were allowed to just go over there because i didn't think it would matter to have a theater degree or any sort of showbiz degree in my mind i thought because nobody's gonna go oh wait you've got a ba let me put you on a tv show (laughs) um but once i came to ucla they were much more closed in the um the major, you could only do, I can only do design major stuff. Um, so at that point I had, and I was really thinking I wanted to go into animation. Um, and it's weird, it's weird how you take this whole, I was going to take, get my BA in design and then take the master's program um, in animation, but I never did go for my master's at UCLA because I had this performing bug and just this sort of need to get some of my creativity out. I just joined an improv group. Um, that was happening then and then so I did improv and that led me to the groundlings and to sketch comedy and then I got a job at a literary agency which was very it was a literary talent agency Mm -hmm. but I I worked for a literary agent and that helped because I would I would just read and read and read and I would see um, I, I just learning that form of half hour 
hour. I, I, I think I was, I was able to, and, and I, this is, I mean, I'm assuming that people are here because they want to somehow know how to get in this business. And, and it is, it's, it's such a weird, it's, you know, the path is not straight. And, and everyone, <laughs> yeah. will have, everyone will have a different story. And everyone that I know that has made it or, or gotten a job, <laughs> There's always this story of that hero, and, and that's, you know, your hero will come, I hope. Um, but that, but I didn't, I was able to know myself really well with regard to the industry by reading a lot of different scripts. I, I knew that my type of humor, especially coming from sketch, was a little harder than, um, you know, than a sitcom kind of writing, although, you know... Um, and also, one thing that was a really big advantage was that we represented Dave Merkin, who wrote this show called Get a Job, that was not a hit. Usually when you do a spec, they say, do a spec of a hit so that people can know. Um, so no one else did a spec of Get a Job, but I did because I knew that there were people who were calling in, that showrunners of other comedy shows saying, oh, because back then... You know, there wasn't, you know, TiVo and stuff. So they'd be like, I missed it. So we'd be sending out tapes of Get a Job. Mm. So I knew that people liked this show, that this was, was a real sort of cult favorite in particular to these to TV people. And I knew that was sort of my kind of humor. I was, I was a, because there are, there's, you know, I love like shows like Transparent, and uh, but I don't know that I could write that kind of show. Mm -hmm. Some people have it's a different kind of humor, and I love that type of humor. But I'm just, I'm more like I could do Saturday Night Live better than mm -hmm. um, that. And, and it's not saying one is better than the other. It's just knowing yourself and what is your strength. Um, and so then I I was also doing a lot of sketch and. The sister of one of the people in my show, my sketch show, she had a, she wrote for a TV show. She'd written for a show that was called Night Court, and then she had her own show called, um, oh my God, I can't remember the name of the show, uh, Stand By Your Man, which was the uh, American version of a British sitcom called Birds of a Feather, which was huge in England. Stand By Your Man was not huge. Uh, it, was, it starred Rosie O'Donnell, and Melissa Gilbert, oh. and uh, <laughs> so we're, no, nobody saw. <laughs> but uh, it was Nancy called one day to talk to my boss, and I had met her at my sketch show, and I was like, "Oh, it's me!" Yeah. And she was so I transferred her to my boss, who was literate, who had no idea what I did, and uh, he came out of the office and he said, "Nancy Steen just said you're a really good writer. She's seen all your sketch shows because her brother was in my group." And he said, you know, he said, that's so why I told her, we'll hire her. And <laughs> usually you have to do a bunch of, you know, freelance episodes and then you'll get hired on staff. And then Nancy said, well, tell her to write a spec and I'm, I'll look at it. And so he said, it was like a Wednesday. And he said, why don't you, well, let's just say you're sick and you can take Thursday and Friday off and come back Aww. in Monday. I know he was great. He was really great. Also, I didn't know enough then. I was like, four days to write a script? That's plenty. And uh, <laughs> I didn't know. And no I, I wrote my get a job, not get a job, get a life uh, spec, and she hired me. Yeah. And that was, you know, really, it was, that was a really great education. Because the writer's room is such a bizarre little place. It's... Um, <laughs> It's, and, and my improv, that, that was really helpful. I was really glad I had my improv training. I highly recommend that to anybody wanting to be a comedy writer or to be in an improv room because it is, I mean, not improv room. I, I don't know how to speak, but um, <laughs> in a writer's room because, and especially women, mm -hmm. really anybody though, anybody, if you're not naturally gregarious or even... Mm. There's, it's almost like jump rope, you know. You have to like, blah, blah, people are going, and you have to kind of know how to say, "Hey, my idea," like a little bit louder, and 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 sometimes you also have to know when to, to like not say anything. Like it's like bloop, bloop, bloop. Oh, the person running the room loves that joke. You've got a great joke, like, but they are going with that, so yeah. let's not. 
Pick your battles. Yeah, it, it's, 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 it's a really interesting... Uh, so I, I, minefield. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, then I just... I went from show to show. Um, often, you know, like Stand By Your Man was like 13 episodes and out. And uh, so that, you know, it means you work for 20 weeks and you like make all this money. Or, you know, for me, it was like mm-hmm. this giant. But then it's like, but then now you have to live on nothing until the next staffing season comes around. So like you're, you're out of work in October and then staffing season's in May. You know, and like you... Okay, it's hard to stretch it out, but you just do that for a couple of years, and then you know you get on a show like I, you know, Full House was 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 not a great show to be on. Uh, I, it, it was fun. It was like Lies. super nice, <laughs> great craft service. Nobody had to be yelled at. <laughs> but they the carrots and sticks. They, they, yeah, yeah. You had your, your choice of medallion or both, stick. Both. Yeah. Uh, but yeah. and the best part about that was I was on there for two years. I was there for the last two years. I actually mm. wrote the very last episode. Whoa. Oh, wow. Oh, that's wow. funny. Uh, yes. There's lots of, if you ever see it, there's lots of jokes of, uh, because we... The writer's room there was very, uh, I would have to say, slightly disrespectful to the show. We would, you know, sometimes you would go, but why would Danny... Oh, wait, I'm sorry. Am I holding us up by trying to talk about logic? Or, exactly. You know, or like if you gave Stamos a line, he was only going to like... If the line was to get to the other side, that's his punchline. He would go, well, um, that would be like something I would call getting to the... Uh, per se, because he liked to throw that phrase in, <laughs> other side. And, you know, so you, there wasn't a lot of, like, crafting of <laughs> lines for him. But, uh, but oh, you God. know, it was a show that would go have a hiatus, and you knew it was coming back. It was a crazy new thing. Yeah. Speaking of coming back, congratulations on the pickup of season three for iZombie. Gave myself a new bed. Oh, Congratulations! Wow. That was my season three present to myself. And we're we're gonna buy a boat. What's that? We're gonna buy a boat. A boat? <laughs> no, I'm kidding. We're not gonna buy it. <laughs> season four. Yeah, yeah. Maybe in season six. Um, but tell me, tell me a little bit of how you guys started in the business and what it's like to be in the iZombie Zombie writers room. Um, well, God, by some miracle, I got into USC uh, and went to film school there, worked my ass off. Wasn't that good at USC, actually. That's, um, I don't, well, definitely wasn't the strongest writer in my class, but uh, learning writing is just like, it's kind of like the monolith drops at some point. It's unpredictable, like when you actually start getting good at your craft. It's, Mm -hmm. all you can do is listen, read a lot, write a lot, and then one day it just kind of falls into place. Um, or it never does. Sorry. Um, and uh, so I went to USC. I worked really hard and was an intern at Mad Men um, for a season, which was an interesting experience. Um, but you tell. <laughs> well, because, you know, it was intense. Yeah. Um, but a great learning experience because um, I mean, you just worked your ass off. The, Actually, one thing I loved about that show is that the showrunner, obviously Matt Weiner, just wants everything to be so accurate. And I'm kind of one of those people who feels like you can be authentic and accurate and be dramatic at the same time. Some writers don't give a shit about accuracy. um, And that's cool. And sometimes they do it so well. And it's like, you know, like Luther is one of those shows where I watch where I'm like, this isn't how cops operate. But I'm like, I'm totally digging this ride. but uh, Matt will be like he would want it to. If it was raining that day in 1963, it'll oh be God. raining on the show. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Um, so uh, you would, I would just be at my computer constantly outside the writer's room getting questions from the writer's assistant of like, <laughs> I mean, I spent a whole day on how much did a hooker cost in 1923 in the country. 
much. Not in the country. Your mom didn't teach you that. How do you not Um, know that? (laughs) But now you know. For for Betty's birth scene for their third child, Matt wanted to know exactly what questions would be asked of her intake, like in the ER. And my mother worked at a hospital at the time in Albany. And she was able to get a birth certificate from 1963 oh. from archives and send it to me with all the stuff redacted. So he knew, like, it was insane. That's crazy. Um, That's great. Yeah. So you'd spend your whole day doing that. I'm a really good researcher. You know, I'm on hiatus <laughs> if anybody wants to you know, throw me a job. Um, so uh, I'm still currently in that, ooh, 20 weeks. And then, like, <laughs> ooh. But then I found out I've got a third season, so I'm out of bed. Um, Anyway, uh, so from there, I, you know, impressed people by finding out how much hookers cost in 1923, and then... Um, <laughs> you didn't say how much. How much? Oh, my God. Oh. Oh. <laughs> I had to use an inflation calculator, because I could oh only find, like, it was like, it was like a few dollars, maybe, and, uh, and they had more records for, like, the women... <laughs> Isn't it you asked the wrong question? <laughs> and like, and you know what the scene ended up being? It was what? like Don Draper's dad, like not to shit on Matt or anything, but he wanted to make sure it was accurate. And then so it was like this. Uh, I think she's, he's like, well, I've only got a little bit of money, something like that. And, and the hooker is like, well, how much do you have? And he like pulls out change, and he's just looking at it. And that is a whole day's where the research is. Just, oh my God, this is what I got. And you're like, Thanks, damn dude. it. But you know. Anyway, it was yeah. it was fun though. Um, awesome. So from there, I, I somebody who I worked with there thought I did a great job. She knew a lot of people at CAA, and she knew a writer, Peter Noah, who's looking for an assistant. Um, so she recommended me, um, and I interviewed with him. And like two weeks out of graduating from USC, I became a showrunner's assistant on a show. I know that's did somebody like make a. <laughs> <laughs> I got really lucky. I know I got really lucky. Um, I think it was a sneeze, but oh, you know. <laughs> <laughs> maybe that was just uh, my youngian shadow in front of me. Um, but I was like, uh-huh. um, but yeah, I, I did get really lucky because there were still so many people that couldn't get jobs like a year or two years out of graduating. It's it's tough, um, and so I was able to get a showrunner's assistant position on this show called Trauma um, on NBC. And that, that time, that was a really... That shot in San Francisco, right? It did. I actually knew somebody who directed an episode of that. Really? Yes, I can't remember his name. Uh, John Baring. Say that again? John Baring. Yes. Yes. B-R-I-N-G. Yeah, yeah. Sorry. So, Trauma was a really interesting time in TV. That was like the season where numbers started dropping, but they hadn't quite caught on to the fact that that was going to be a trend. And it was an expensive show. So, like... I think we were getting a one seven, which now would be oh amazing. Oh my god! Right. Yeah. And for but for NBC, it was like they were like, oh, you know. So we thought any minute we're going to get canceled. We had a thirteen episode order. I was an assistant for one of the showrunners. It was run by two guys, the creator and my boss Peter Noah. And um, so writers are starting to jump ship. They're going mm-hmm. to other shows, and then all of a sudden NBC. I don't know. They had a programming gap, so then they were like, um, you know, guys, can we just have like. Uh, three or four more episodes from you, whatever it was, mm-hmm. and which was unexpected. So suddenly we're scrambling and we're like, oh, 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 and with like a fraction of the staff we had before. And then we get to the end of that mini order. I'm like, okay, we're winding down. More people are jumping ship. And then they do it again. And they're like, mm. can we just have three more episodes? <laughs> and then we're like, fuck. <laughs> um, so my... Because uh, creatively, that's a great way to run a, a television show. show. Yeah, <laughs> For continuity, especially, you know, just like when you're going places, you know, um, so I I believe my, a guy who later became my boss, David Schulner, he, uh, had to break an episode in like a day, I think he had to get an outline in, in like less than, or like two days, a script in like a week, I think, and had to make it ready for shooting. By this point we had like no writers left. Um, and so he breaks this this episode. He starts handing out scenes mm. to anyone. Like, if the janitor walked in, right. and like, do you want to write this scene? <laughs> so he's just handing them out to any assistant. My boss had already left, actually, to go to... Um, Oh, it was a show with Andy Whitfield, um, Spartacus. Mm. Um, so I was just sitting there like, my boss isn't on another show yet. I'm just still getting paid. I'm like just keeping quiet about the fact that he's not coming back. 
Anyway, so David gives me a scene, and uh, I'm like, yeah, sure. Um, I wrote the scene, handed it in to him, and thanks to USC, even even though I hadn't quite, you know, I don't know, there's lots of stuff. Like, story is like, that's a muscle, you'll learn it, you'll get better at it. Like you were saying, you know, you're funny, but... Um, so, anyway, a scene I could write, though. And so he comes in the next day, and he's like, this is good. <laughs> like, no, this is... Come here into my office. And it was weird. <laughs> he shut the door, and he was like, this is really good. He's like, now I need you to rewrite this person's and this person's. You know, uh, like, so... Excellent. Wow. So then I'm like rewriting a bunch of stuff and then there were a couple of other episodes I wrote a storyline in another mm-hmm. episode and all uncredited you know but it's like everything it was chaos mm-hmm. so you were just helping out right and obviously you just help out because like you said there's going to be a hero there's people who you have those relationships with they become your mentors mm-hmm. and collecting people who you love they love you are good to you like mm-hmm. that's so important like yeah. that's I don't network in that I like I don't go to parties and hand out cards right. I like no. if there's people that I'm like you're my you're my people like um you just hang out with them like you would and it ends up being your career and um in addition to wonderful lasting relationships so david schulner after that i became his assistant he brought me with him everywhere um i was an assistant on a couple shows he did he had an overall deal and then when he finally got a show made at nbc i became his staff writer and even though I was a staff writer, I'd been with him for so long, and we'd gotten so codependent, and we'd just, like, have a couple <laughs> arguments. Like, we'd be in the editing suite doing his pilot, and we were, like, yelling at just screaming. I'm like, that isn't what Russell Rothbard told you to do. And his, everyone else is like, <laughs> who are these And I'm just an assistant. Like, I should have been fired so many times over for what I said to him. But, but that's why you weren't fired. But, yeah. yes. <laughs> that's um, why you went, moved forward. He trusted me. Like, that was the thing is, like, he, it started slow where I was his assistant, and he'd give me a script and be like, can you edit this, like, just for errors? And then I'd be like, you know, I'm just wondering, like, this is a little confusing when this character seems to have this objective, but then in the middle of the scene. And, and, you know, so then you start slipping in little things, and they're like, hey, you're smart. Um, And then they'll ask you more questions, and and then they'll be like, let me see what you're writing. And Mm -hmm. he was really great for me in that he kind of, I have the same thing where it's like, how did I become a writer? I'm kind of lazy, but kind of super motivated. It's like, I'm both. (laughs) And so he'd be like, where is your sample? Yeah. And he's like, what are you doing right now? Stop looking at that website. <laughs> and he would make me write. And then I, yeah, I became a staff writer. And, and then... How did um, you get hooked up with Rob and Diane? Uh, Rob, through USC, they do a program, I think they still do it, an industry mentor program. Mm-hmm. So you can, you go ahead and you look and you just try to find someone's... Um, career who you who you know like yeah i'd like to yeah i like his, that guy I like that guy um, <laughs> he does, he's doing okay for himself <laughs> i used to binge watch veronica mars in uh, the usc cinema library like between classes and which is always something you should do be reading and binge watching your favorite stuff over and over again mm-hmm. and because uh, there's a reason why it's your favorite mm-hmm. it's doing something right and if you can figure it out like that you know it's gonna be good so I requested Rob and he said yes and um we met up and he just you know i'm blonde of hair and foul of mouth and he really liked me um so uh he seems to have a lot of those type of women yep yeah actually uh, rob (laughs) surrounds himself with saucy chicks yeah um there a lot of us are from new york or jersey uh surprise um but yeah so i got hooked up with rob through that and um i wrote a spec one year that my rob i knew him for a long time and would have lunches with him I still hadn't let him read me because I was mm. just so... I'm like, this is my, my Veronica Mars party right. damn guy. Mm. I can't let him see a bad sample. I only get that, you know, I only get that opportunity once. Right. So finally I wrote the sample that... I think it was the first sample I ever wrote where I had somehow figured a way to put what I was going through in it. Like, not uh, subtextually, like right. emotional truth. Um, and that really makes the difference in your writing mm-hmm. samples is... Even if you're writing Star Wars, like, I don't know, if you're going through a divorce, find a way to, like, it's in, it's got to be in there. Right. And, like, and people can feel that blood on the page, and it just makes a huge difference. And so that was the first script I'd written like that. And, of course, my agent looks at it. I love my agent. But he was, like, it's, it was an hour-long TV uh, cable um, s- sample, and he's, like, this reads like an indie film. You can't just have people talking to each other, you know? He's, he's <laughs> like, you need noise, noise. And I'm, like, what? is noise (laughs) um 
So I did like a rewrite of it, but it wasn't like a huge rewrite. And then he's like, oh, I don't know. And he like sent it out. And just to a couple people, as like a uh, taking the temperature of the industry. And I have this meeting with him. And my agent's like, so I sent it out and people liked it. <laughs> That's always fun when they're surprised by that. <laughs> um, and I'm like, oh my God. Um, and so then he ended up sending out wider. And I met with this guy, Matt Sunell, who I adore. He was at the CW. And I think he's at Netflix now. Um, he was in development and he loved the script. And he was like, you know, this really reminds me of a writer we worked with like last season. You know Rob Thomas? I'm like, <laughs> I'm familiar. Uh, and he's like, you should really show this to him. And so finally I did. And it ended up in this funny situation of Rob and I are having, I don't know, Thai food together or something. And we'd known each other for years by this point. And I was like, so do you want to finally read my script? And he's like, okay. And then it was like the weirdest goodbye that we had. And later he was able to tell me, he's like, I was so worried if you were really bad. Yeah, that's what was I going to do? But instead, I had. Because you guys, it's seriously the worst when yeah, you read a friend's would, thing and it's not good. It is really bad. Yeah. Um, What's also really awesome, though, is when it's really awesome and you're like, oh my God. That's what I. <laughs> he, uh, I think like two days later, he called my phone and I panicked and I didn't pick up. I, yeah. <laughs> and uh, and then he I'm actually glad I didn't pick up because then I have this voicemail that I swear to God is like two minutes long of Rob telling me how wonderful he thought it was and how I'm a special writer and I still have that goddamn voicemail <laughs> I don't know if he knows that it's a little weird but um, but yeah uh, so he loved it and then he had me come in and help him he wanted. He was re-breaking the Veronica Mars book, mm. um, and he had me come in for this little unofficial writers' room to do that. And I was like, "Holy shit! I'm breaking a Veronica Mars story. This is so cool!" Um, and then in that meeting, he was like, "Hey, do you want to develop with me?" And I was like, "What?" <laughs> um, so and then I got on iZombie, and uh, I haven't pissed him off enough yet. So uh, to get fired, he seems to like <laughs> me still, even though sometimes he's like. Ugh. But, um, yeah, so I developed with him, and uh, that's how I, and, God, Diane. Isn't she the best? She's, I like, the Diane best. Through, God, Diane Ruggiero, guys. She's brilliant from Jersey, and she's, like, God, she's so mouthy, and she's just awesome. God, I'm, like, I want to, she's just one of those chicks that you want to, I want to be you. I don't know if I want to eat you or, <laughs> I don't know. Um, I got to see her for, like, 15 minutes on Friday, because our, our schedules are always, like, Oh, you know, yeah. This. yeah. Especially at conventions. And uh, she was like, we were talking, and she's like, she's like, I really have to go to the bathroom. Come to the bathroom with me, and we'll talk. <laughs> you know, yeah. like, oh, she's, there's no impulse control there. It's like no. every thought and is I'm like, equal. okay, I gotta go, too. Well, like, say everything. She'll be, like, pitching something at the same time that you're hearing about yeah. the bathroom or, like, whatever it right. is. Um, <laughs> but I adore that woman so much. Yeah. I, I finally got to meet her when, I, obviously, I knew so much about her, heard so much about her, and then finally met her oh, wow. on uh <laughs> no. really i know how did we do her. that that was went really okay. fast <laughs> the end so it's the, the, what i'm hearing a lot from everybody is that like you know everybody kind of did a lot of different things you know i that's certainly my own experience um you know i worked for seven years in feature film production and then eight years doing political media uh as a director of production um and i just basically every time i was put in a position to do something, I just had to figure things out and just took on more stuff and then move forward, and then I would take on more stuff and move forward. It sounds like that's a lot of what your experience has been. Is that the same with you, Emily? It's kind of like you kind of just kind of like as a rolling boulder. Yeah, you know, totally. like, And I feel like as, you know, as women, I think that we are more apt to kind of push the ego aside. I think so. And really, like, just take it on and and get it done. Because we're the best. Speaking of ego, um, yeah, I mean, the lovely warrior princess angel, Tina Fey, says it best, right? Like, she says, you should say yes, even if you're scared shitless. Yes. I'm not sure she said shitless, but, like, that's the truth, right? Like, I don't care if you're Tina Fey or whoever, if they're like, do you want to host the Emmys? I guarantee there's Mm -hmm. a moment where Tina Fey is like, holy shit. But you're like, yeah, I should probably try to do this. So I always found with every opportunity that came my way, there were definitely two minutes of like, this is going to be hard and I don't know what to do. But like, you just got to show up and do what it takes to figure it out a hundred percent. And with like 
grace and humor and honesty. Like that's been my thing is there's a lot of arrogance in this industry and a lot of people are going to name drop and tell you who you know. My experience has been like, I do not know what I'm doing. Yeah. <laughs> if you can help me, I would really appreciate it. And I promise I will keep trying to like get it where it needs to be. I, I can't even tell you how many times I said that to people in the, the last in the last it. month. Like, yeah. I don't know how to do this. No, I'm can still on set me? and I'm like, what does this do? I don't know, right? Yeah. And I, but I think that's okay. I know what I yeah. know and I know what I'm good at, but you should never stop learning and I really think you should never lose that fear yeah. or you're dead anyway, yeah. right? So... I just think that we're coming to like a... You know, the whole reason I kind of wanted to do this panel is because I felt like, you know, I think we're coming to like a tipping point um, of equality... <laughs> Uh, gender-wise, uh, where um, we've got so much great television on the air uh, that has female leads that are complicated and real, and mm-hmm. you know, I know an herb this Friday, yeah. Sci-fi, uh, <laughs> 10 p.m. Fridays on Sci-Fi at 10 p.m. You no, know, I, I had um, having been early on, and uh, you know, when I used to take improv classes, it, it would be. The class, and, and nobody was keeping women out of these classes. Mm-hmm. It'd be right. like there's, there's like 25 people in the class, and two of them were women. Yep. And then from that class, they'd go, well, maybe we're going to form a group out of this. So we'll take the five best guys and the two women. Mm-hmm. And I do think this is where like, there were the myth that women weren't funny was because there was this, like, it, it was like whoever showed up, she's, and, and, and often sometimes you would see sketch groups where there'd be like these comedy nerds who had, you know, they're like aficionados of, they studied and, and, then, and then they needed a girl so they took their girlfriend. Yeah. And you know, the quality difference was, was kind of stark. And I think that now, when you, I've, I've taken classes at um, UCB, and it actually still kind of is the same. I, I was in a class, there were 16 people, and there were still, only four of them were women, but because they have so many classes, the quality of the women is, you know, now when you go to those improv groups, it is consistently the women who are mm-hmm. the, some of the strongest performers. And... Um, you know, I, I think that it, it's hard in, in TV. It, it's a hard job to be a woman because, one, it's, 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 um, there's not as many women. So right. there's, that's, that's just the, the, and I, that's going to change. But, you know, I've, I'm the only woman on the staff of The Simpsons. I was the only woman for the first 10 years I was there. Wow. There was um, wow. Four years when Valentina Garza was there with me, and then she left, and she's on Border Town now. Now I'm the only woman for the last three years. Um, but those guys are really girly, so. No, <laughs> <laughs> no but. Um, the best dude they got. <laughs> and I'm really not feminine. Enough. But uh, no, it, it is difficult because there's, it's harder to network within the, you know, like, I can't go out to dinner with these guys by myself like but they they can form these sort of really yeah. close friendships that their wives won't mind and that, that's when, when there's more women that becomes a thing that's more and that is a giant part of this business yeah. is, is yeah. the networking mm-hmm. and i i just think that there are it, it's a very difficult job for the the hours and stuff i think i when i worked in a literary agency and I, I do feel like most of the time people have been trying to get women in. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've never seen a situation where there was like a woman up for a job and a man and they were like yeah. equally and they went with the man. Because I, I've, I've seen many situations where there was a man who was like, he's Emmy Award winning, has all this stuff. And then there's a woman and she's really good and has a lot of potential, not nearly as experienced, maybe doesn't have as good a sample, but let's go with the women. I've seen that happen a lot of times. And that's actually good. Because when, when we do reach parity, then because it's such a hard business I do the sad fact is that it will then become as hard to be a woman as it is to be a man well, right now I think it's actually a little bit easier to get jobs as a woman well I think that's because like there, there's the representation is starting, is starting to get there and be more the case and I think that the more people can see that women are doing these jobs I mean I do I, for myself personally, you know, I was I was never told I couldn't do anything I put my set my mind to. That's how I was raised. But I never considered myself a director, or would think that I would want to be a film director, or I could be a film director because 
I couldn't think of, you know, that was, I never saw that in front of me. Mm-hmm. So I was like, well, I'll be, you know, a producer or I'll do, you know, I'll do this part because I'm, you know, I can, I can do logistics and I can do this, you know, because why would you? And then at, at one point I realized one day as I'm directing this like AT&T shoot with a giant crane and like all this crew and everything and I'm like telling the DP like where to move the camera and make sure you go, fa- go faster here and faster here. And I'm like, oh, Okay, <laughs> I guess I'm directing, yeah. you know? But yeah. it wasn't until that point and that I considered myself, I mean, I still didn't consider myself a director, you know? There's, there's less women to emulate. Yeah, I yeah. But I think that's true. Like Anais Nin said, um, in art, women cannot fight for equal rights in an artistic endeavor. You have to create equal rights. And, and I think that happens. I think like Tina Fey and Amy Poehler, those, she did more for women's Rights and dispelling the myth that women are funny, not by like you know having rallies, but by being, being funny, funny, by doing mm-hmm. you know, by just yeah. getting up there and just like, okay, you cannot deny this. She is funny, and and Sarah Silverman, I mean Amy Schumer, these these people like they that's all they did. They're, they're they just did the work, just being funny, yeah. and uh, and there is there's in TV writing, and I'm not even sure what the I, I know that we we lose a lot of women. Because it's TV is so difficult to be a parent, oh, and as I am a parent, and that that is, I, I went from being the executive producer at Simpsons to being consulting producer because yeah. I, I needed to have a you couple of days hours. off. Because and, and I don't know, maybe as more women they can, but we, we lose a lot of women on that end too. So there's less coming in, and then the careers are shorter mm-hmm. because you cannot do ten in the morning till two in the morning. And have a kid. Right. It's 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 easier, you know. With men, there's one thing they are better at is letting their partners be the primary childcare uh, provider. I, That's I don't what know I did. That I could do. What? Yeah, my husband. <laughs> I did. My husband. He's a writer. Guy. That's great. That's is. I, you know, that's what exactly because I was I was always made more money than him, so it just made sense that I, you know, that when I got pregnant, that he would he would take care of her. So. Yeah. But the hours are crazy. Yeah, the hours are horrible. So, wait, the takeaway from this panel is um, don't have children. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, TV, show running, and writing is like improv. You just say yes and a lot. <laughs> Do not cut the carrot sticks into sticks. That's my number one piece of advice. Medallions. Medallions. That's like the Illuminati code. If you want to be in, you got to know that. I haven't had questions, but... We have like a few minutes. Does anybody have any questions? There's a mic right in the middle of the thing if you want to line up. Yeah, this, do it. This guy is like, actually, this guy like jumped to the mic. So. Go, go, go. Okay. Um, my question is, uh, you, know, you I actually don't. I don't. I don't. The Writers Guild has. Um, um, they have their access program and I just other. God, I don't know. I mean, there's the UCLA Extension Program. I don't know if you guys have heard of that. That um, I know they definitely have TV writers mm-hmm. um, teaching classes, and they're mm-hmm. pretty affordable, and it's real TV writers. And then, obviously, you can um, network with the people there. But even going to uh, – taking improv classes, there's always yeah. such – uh, it's it's a wide it's a different group of people. It's like it's writers, it's actors, it's UCB. Like, if drama. you want to write, yeah. yeah. If you want to write comedy, I mean, a lot of the. If you look on the schedule, so many of the TV writers and actors are coming out of UCB. Yep. Yeah. They have a um, they have a sketch writing program, and it's and great. It's it's it's, and they actually they have a sketch writing program. They have a um, improv program. They also have. Uh, Internet video stuff, which I, I, I do think that is that yeah. is a 100%. That's the to, future. Yeah. Um, Writers Guild has a lot of stuff. And, and the UCLA classes, I, everyone I know has at least spoken at one of those. I mean, they, they, they come to us a lot to mm-hmm. talk to that. Um, and I just recently got a mentee through, I, I mean, it's, 
don't be a crazy person. I'll start with that. But like, um, <laughs> I uh, like a year ago, a fan of iZombie contacted me through Twitter. Um, her name is Amelia. Um, we're so close now, and I adore her. She just contacted me because she loved the show, and she's like, you know, I'm 18. I want to go to film school. Do you have any advice? And um, I start messaging, and then I give her my WhatsApp, and I start telling her all, but you know, writing advice through WhatsApp, and event and eventually she comes in I was like you know you got to look at film schools you got to come to LA she stayed with me for 10 days she slept on my couch I introduced her to a bunch of my writer friends she got to meet all these people and you guys want to stay on her couch my couch we've got a new bed comfortable air mattress I bought a pillow topper for it I mean I'll treat you right um but I'm just saying like reach out to people like finding people if you're like you know what I love your work and it's like the the most you can lose is they don't they don't respond, whatever. Yes. I mean, at the same time, I will say, because you will find, even when I worked for, like, I, I worked for this, like, Matthew Perry show that didn't make him a star, and I, nobody knew who it was. And even then, like, the director, you know, like, the, went to a funeral, and the rabbi had a script for him. Like, it does, <laughs> the minute you get a job, people will come with their scripts. And so yeah. just know that it, it is, you know, it's my job, like, I yeah. have to read... All day. I'm, like, I'll get, like, okay, here, this is the script we're working on this week. This is the script we're working on next We're all very week. busy. And I got to read these <laughs> scripts, and then it's like, and then on my off hours, I'm supposed to, So I'm just telling you, it's, it's not, you're going to get a lot of rejection. Yes. Yeah. That's just something. And really, you, I think you just the, keep trying. the best thing you can do, like, when you do ask that question, it's, don't start with, can you read my script? It's like, I, I don't know about how you give notes, but I just read a friend's 80-page cable script the other day, a cable pilot. It took me four hours mm-hmm. because I'm noting him page by page. He's a really close friend of mine, so I'm like, I have to teach you writing now. <laughs> um, and I, it's just like I, I got done with it, and I was like, all right, now it's going to be another six months before I read somebody's thing yeah. because I, you know, I have to choose me. Yeah, yeah. Um, but asking for coffee and like being like, just, can yeah. I just hear some advice or your story? Like, yeah. you can try that. You know, like, yeah. So it's just like, give it a shot, see what happens. Yeah. Okay, the man in pink. Yes. Go for it. Uh, for Amber, um, first, I'm incredibly jealous of both you and Anthony Stewart Head for that <laughs> minute long duet in Once More. Oh. Um, Thank you. <laughs> but uh, because I've done some acting and mm-hmm. I'm looking at moving to, to creation. Uh, when you are, are behind the camera, do you ever just get the urge to kick all the actors off and do their parts for <laughs> Never. Isn't that funny? I'm, a, I'm like a self-loathing actor. Um, no, I, I, enjoy, I enjoy bossing everybody around. It's so much more fun than being bossed. Um, <laughs> uh, I love acting. Acting is awesome, but, but there is something really just fulfilling about having something in your head and getting it out there and collaborating and, and working with other people to make that vision a reality. Um, but, uh, but uh, yeah, that's, that's my answer, and I'm sticking to it. <laughs> All right, guys. Well, that is time. Yeah, thank you. I could go for, like, another thank hour. You, thank you, Allison. Now leaving Nerdist.com.